Alleluia, Alleluia, unto whom shall The Holy Gospel according to Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the Messiah. The Gospel of our Lord. It's good to be back with you all today. Seems like it's been a while since I've been able to stand here, either there or here, and to be with you. So it was great to see uh, folks this morning after lots of adventures, both work adventures and vacation adventures. And it's good to be back with you. Well, the disciples and Jesus are on a journey, aren't they? They're all over the place. They've been in Tyre and Sidon. They've had encounters with those who are in foreign places, enemies even, or seen as enemies of God's people. All kinds of feuds and things going on and processing through that. And what does it mean that the kingdom of God is now extended out to the all nations? Well, now Jesus and his disciples have come into the region, into the district of Caesarea Philippi, and Jesus turns to them and ask them a question. And it's an interesting question. He says, who do people say that I am? In other words, what are people saying about me? What's the word on the street? As he goes through all of these places, as these miracles and these feedings and healings and and teachings are all coming out, what are people saying about that? How are they processing all of this kind of information about Jesus or these experiences with Jesus. And so Jesus first asked them from the outside, what are people saying? And they say, well, some say John the Baptist. Others go back a little farther to Elijah and and back to all the way to Jeremiah. 
or maybe some other prophet. In other words, people are having a little trouble with who Jesus might be. And so they go back to what they know. They go back kind of to the past. They look backwards, not so much either present or forwards, but simply look backwards to dead prophets, to reincarnations of the old, of the past. Good folks, important in the history of, the, of God's people, of the people of Israel. But all of them are dead. They're gone. They're in the distant past. Or in John the Baptist's case, in the fairly near past. But then Jesus turns the question a little bit. He gets a little more pointed with it. It seems as if he makes eye contact with his disciples, with us perhaps today, and says, okay, but who do you all say that I am? I'm not from the South. I've hardly even ever been there. But I have to say that the, uh, the, the, interpret, or the, the translation of Scripture should take a little more seriously uh, you know, how you say the, the, the plural of the you in the South. Now, I've heard a bunch of interpretations on the difference between y'all and all y'all, but, but Jesus says, who do y'all say that I am? It's a plural. He's asking. I see a head nod from a southerner over there. <laughs> who do y'all say, or all y'all? Who do y'all say that I am? In other words, confessing as a group, who do you say that I am? The question kind of becomes a little more individual as Simon Peter steps forward and speaks not only for himself, but speaks for the group. And I think this distinction, this y'all, is kind of important as we think about what the church is truly built on. Is it built on this one person or is it built on this confession that is made? There's debate about that, of course. You know, is it built sort of on this figure of Peter and the Pope and the succession or is it built on his faith or his confession? I think, honestly, all of it, especially Jesus' response, that this wasn't revealed to you by human things but by God's Spirit probably tells us that of all the debates we might have, the church is truly built, the rock of the church is Christ, is the Messiah. Who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answers, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Now we'll get to that word Messiah a little bit more next week because we're kind of, this is kind of a two-part sermon. But it's interesting in all of these confessions of the people of these dead folks, these dead prophets, as amazing as they are and were, in, in Peter's confession, in the confession of the disciples, really, it is the son of the living God. This is a God who is active. This is a God who is present. This is a God who is working. Not as my least favorite song in the whole world says, far off from a distance, God is watching us. No offense to Bette Midler, but I hate that song. God is not watching us from a distance. God is not an ant farmer who has sort of set the wheels in motion and said, well, let's see what happens. No, God is very present and real and active and working in and through this world right here and right now. And I think we'll get more of that indication as we get further into this text. How is God doing that? One word, Messiah. And that'll be part of the title of our, of our time together next week from the pulpit. But it's also a really interesting confession because of where it is. It isn't in a church setting or a synagogue setting. And I want to read from Audrey West, commentator, who I knew part of this, but she kind of 
she kind of sets the stage for what Caesarea Philippi, what the setting really means and, and kind of how it frames this confession of Jesus. So she says this, she says, situated about 25 to 30 miles north of the Sea of Galilee, Caesarea Philippi was near a trade route that connected Tyre in the west to Damascus in the northeast. A nearby cave housed a great spring that fed one of the sources of the Jordan River. The cave and spring had long served as a sanctuary dedicated to the Greek god Pan. This cave, or excuse me, Greek inscriptions and, and niches carved in the rock still visible today suggest dedications to other pagan gods as well. Some of, you, has, uh, some of you have been there, maybe? Have you been to the Holy Land, been to this part, perhaps? I don't know. In addition to this polytheism, this, this multiple worship of gods, or this worship of multiple gods, the polytheism rep- represented at the site, signs of power and authority were on display as well. A couple of decades before Jesus' birth, Herod the Great had built a temple near the spring in honor of Caesar Augustus. By the time Jesus and his disciples visited the region, Caesarea Philippi had been given over to the auspices of Herod's son Philip who established the city as the administrative center of his government. By the time the Gospel of Matthew was written, so after Jesus, people were likely aware that the Roman commander who, had the, who, had, who led the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD had returned with his troops to Caesarea Philippi in celebration of their victory. So this question that Jesus poses, who do you all say that I am, is set in the midst of political power and religious polytheism and economic power and uh, the, the people of God's you know, kind of puppet leaders cozying up to the empire. All of this power and authority and worship, all of these questions of life, financial questions, are all kind of centered in this place. And Jesus says, who do you say that I am? It makes me think that this sermon is being preached in the wrong place. I often joke, if I go to Costco after, after church, after worship, I often joke, this is where our third service should have been, right? Because y'all are there, getting your stuff for the week. And maybe that's where this sermon should truly take place, that we would sort of have this flash mob of the preached word in that place and say, who do we say the Son of Man is? Who do we say that Jesus is in this place? in the midst of the economic centers of our world. I don't know about politics or, or religion necessarily at Costco, but certainly there are all kinds of things coming at us in a, ver- a variety of places that we find ourselves. So this question, who do you say that I am, kind of hangs in the air in this place, in this intersection of economic trade, religion, and the power of empire. It's not just about Jesus' identity. It's not just a question that's, that's like, here's the test. I hope you get it right. You get an A or you get an F. It's a question about what centers us. Where is our allegiance? What leads out for all those other places in our life, like the hub of that wheel, which I clearly need to clean um, here, but like the hub of that wheel, how do we center out from this particular place? So I want to do that with you for a minute. Let's imagine ourselves in the places of our lives, the places we find ourselves, not just on a Sunday morning, not just for that hour, that first little spoke that we check off so we can get to the rest of the spokes of the week, but how we are centered in all of those spokes, in all of those places that are part of our lives. 
So you can ponder if you want with your eyes open. You can close them for a minute. And I'm going to walk through maybe some places in our lives that we might find ourselves. And I want you to kind of visualize those if you can. Jaden and I were just talking. He left for school this morning, but I was just talking last night about, he said, how do you, when I, if I say red apple, what do you picture? And I picture the red apple, and he pictures the words red and apple, right? So there are engineering minds, visual minds, et cetera, et cetera. So however you do that, I want you to picture yourself in these particular places. And if they don't apply to you, maybe you can remember that place, or maybe you can just think about something else. We're close. I almost hate to say it at the end of summer, but we're close to getting back to school. I'm not, that's Mike's not even on. School, there we go. So I want you to maybe again close your eyes or just kind of visualize this place. See yourself in a school setting with the teachers and administrators welcoming you back with smiles and friends coming up to you and people you don't know. Maybe you're taking a big step into kindergarten or maybe you're taking a big step into middle school or high school. Picture yourself in that place and picture yourself with this question. Who do you say the Son of Man is? And see yourself not only in your words but in your actions in that place Centering yourself in this confession, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. If you're working, if you have a job right now, in a work, you're in a workplace, see yourself in that place for a moment and have that question come to you as you're with coworkers, as maybe you've worked there for a long time or maybe it's a new place. See yourself in in that grocery store, in that law office, in that, uh, in that uh, school maybe as well, wherever it might be, and, and see Jesus there saying, who do you say the Son of Man is? Who do you say that I am? And see yourself again in your words and even in thinking about your actions. Hear yourself confessing, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Maybe your work life is done and you're in retirement. See yourself where you spend that, those retirement hours, maybe volunteering or whatever it might be, and have that question again come to you from Jesus, who do you say that I am? And in your words and actions, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. See yourself now making decisions around your finances, your resources. Where am I going to investments or giving or whatever it might be? See yourself in that place where Jesus asks you, who do you say that I am? And in your words, in your decisions, in your actions, hear yourself centering all of that, all of those resources. You are the Messiah the Son of the living God. See yourself in a place where you spend your free time. Again, maybe it's a place where you volunteer or maybe it's a recreation kind of place or something you do at home. In how you use that time, in what you do with the gifts that you have, what you do when no one has an agenda for you, See Jesus coming to you in that place. Who do you say that I am?
And again, in your words, in your actions, in your play, in your exercises, see yourself saying, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. It's getting towards fall. We need to talk about politics. (laughs) See yourself in that place as you think about policies and procedures, as you think about powers and you think about all of the effects that those have locally and on the national scale. See Jesus coming to you. Who do you say that I am? And see yourself again confessing, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. We could go a million places with this. You can imagine that. You can ask yourself that question or see Jesus asking you that question and hear your reply in all of your interactions, centering yourself again and again in all aspects of life. You see this kind of livingness, this presence, this reality of God matters in our lives because all these places we have thought of and explored and mentioned are places of binding and loosing, which is what Jesus gives us the power to do. He says, You have this power to bind and to loose. All the ways scriptures speak to us about Jesus, this sermon in itself, then become ways in which we express Jesus. We live out Jesus in the world. Our actions, of course, do not save us, but they affect the world around us, the people around us, at our work, at our school, in our play, whatever it might be. Just look to Matthew 25, which is, one of the least favorite places for preachers to preach oftentimes, the sheep and the goats. It is a tale of binding and loosing, serving others, seeking justice, loosing the bonds of this world, and of binding as well. Binding and loosing go together, but the end is to loose, to to bring freedom in Christ, to participate in this kingdom reality which is living and active in our world. Putting to death is sometimes necessary for something to live anew. And as you visualize these places in your life with Christ at the center, perhaps you could see where something needs to be bound or put to death in Christ's name. Binding isn't Jesus giving us the vengeance of God to use as we will selfishly and personally. Sort of a God is always on my side kind of a thing. But a naming of evil and injustice or a capturing of sin which holds someone hostage in guilt or shame, or a turning away from what is death-dealing in order to participate in the kingdom work of Jesus, to be loosed, to be free, to be centered. Jesus gives us a beautiful word, and however we pictured it, he's going to speak to that again next week, and we'll get to that. But for now, let us be centered in Christ, in all that we do, in all that we say, so that Christ is not just something that's an example or something in the past, but a living, breathing presence for us that leads us into a future filled with hope, with promise, with justice, with freedom. Amen.